It was Patrick Henry that said, Should I keep back my opinion at such a time as this, through fear of giving offense, I should consider myself guilty of treason toward my country. When you look at a world that has gone mad, often we are guilty of holding back our opinion. And one of the reasons we do this, hold back our opinions, is because we're trying to figure stuff out. We're trying to make reason, logic, out of insanity. Your world around you is going mad, and you're trying desperately to filter this through a thinking brain as you watch people burn down cities and burn and defund the police and riot and and kill and murder and do all kinds of evil things. If, if you're a Christian, you know, you try to make sense of all this. Well, the point is, it doesn't make any sense. You are living in a world that has gone mad. And so often we hold back our opinions for fear of giving offense. But I tell you, we need to just come out and say, this is pure insanity. If we say nothing else but that, that will be enough to say this is absolute insanity, what is going on around our nation and in our country. We, are, we have gone mad as a nation. Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. So a world gone mad. Now, the Bible speaks to this issue. It's found in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 15. These are the blessings for obedience and the cursings for disobedience. But in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 15, it says, But it shall come to pass if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. And that describes us as a nation. It describes our often our religion that does not teach obedience. You know, obedience is a bad word for a lot of Christians. You know, that's the O word. We can't talk about that. We're all saved by grace, and there's nothing you must do but just raise your hand and invite Jesus into your heart. So you don't really hear a lot about obedience in church or uh, Bible studies or anything like that. It's just not necessary according to the main major theologies that exist today in churchianity. With churchianity, obedience is just not necessary, according to their theory, and their theory is false. But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe to do all his commandments and statutes which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And then dropping down to uh, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 28, Here's a peculiar curse, and I want, I want you to just think about how this fits our society, how this fits our children. You know, that's another area we could talk about, our school system. We could talk about the teachers' union and, and the fact that they can't even teach history. They teach their own perversion of history, causing our kids to hate America. Okay, this is what happens here. The Lord shall smite thee with madness, with blindness, an astonishment of heart. Yeah, I mean, it's a prediction. It's a prophecy of a world gone crazy. Madness, blindness, and those of us who do have a brain, we have astonishment of heart as we look around 
everything that's going on around us. I mean, think about it, tearing down statues, which is absolutely ridiculous when you think about and know what those statues represent. They represent a part of the history of America. You know, before this so-called coronavirus broke out, uh, we were very blessed, me and my wife, to go to Gettysburg. And it was a spiritual experience. If you've never been there, if they hadn't torn down the whole place by now, I don't know. Well, hopefully not. But it's a, it's a deeply moving spiritual experience as you walk across the wheat fields and you hear the story. You can take the self-tour uh, CD set as we did, and you learned about the wheat fields where the soldiers were just, well, you couldn't walk across that field without stepping on a dead or dying soldier, you know, north and south. But, and it talked about when finally the surrender was made at Gettysburg, that the soldiers left a trail, a caravan, and the soldiers were, you know, being carried out on wagons and those who could march would march. And uh, some of the dying soldiers would just be crying out that God would take their lives because they knew they were going to die anyway, missing an arm, missing a leg. But my point is, we went to war, America, against ourselves, brother against brother, to set free the reason we did this, the reason we went to war against ourselves, brother against brother, is to free the African-American from slavery. Now, what kind of a nation does that? I know of no other nation that would do such a thing, go to war against itself, to free the African-Americans. And this is what our history and those statues represent. Yeah, it's an ugly part of history, but it's our history of what we did, and we did the right thing ultimately. No, slavery was not right. But you have to keep in mind that there, it was, it was, originally it was the African Americans that sold their people into slavery to the white man. So who's to blame for this? You know, But this is a part of our history, and only an exceptional nation like America does such a thing, goes to war against itself, brother against brother, to free the African American. So you got these idiots tearing down statues, and I saw this one uh, guy climbing, it looked like a 50-foot statue. He, he got up to the top of the head of it and fell off. And, I mean, he was bouncing like a rag doll. I don't know if he survived it. I guess it killed him. And, you know, you just think about the insanity of this. Do, do they even know what they're doing? Do they even know what the statues represent? No, they do not. They're ignorant. They're buffoons. They just, they, you know, it's a cause, and it doesn't matter what the cause is. I just like to fight, you know. That's what ignorant people do. That's what buffoons do. So, you know, in any way, can you imagine in the resurrection, you know, we'll be talking like, well, how did you die back then when you were alive, you know, in the physical flesh? When You know, how did you die? We're all telling our story about how we died, you know. Well, I died in the hospital of cancer or whatever. But can you imagine this one buffoon saying, well, I died trying to tear it, tear it off the head of a statue and I fell 50 feet to my death? I mean, how stupid is that? How stupid is this? We live in a world that's gone mad. Can you imagine meeting God and God saying, you sold, you people sold the greatest 
nation on earth, the birthright nation that was built on freedom, that was built upon my standards. Now, no, America has never been perfect. And, you know, it's like when you walk through the door of a church, it ceases to be perfect because you're in it. So I understand our history is not, our history is flawed. We've made mistakes, but our nation was built upon freedom. And can you imagine standing before God, meeting God, and having God say to us, you sold the greatest nation on earth. You sold your freedom for socialism and communism. Can you imagine? Can you imagine meeting God? And, 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 and trying to explain why we gave up our freedom. Can you imagine meeting God and having God say, you know, now this may very well happen, what I'm about to say. There's a high probability this might even happen, you know. But having God say, you, may, you, you, you elected a leader that has dementia to, to lead your country. A man who doesn't know what his name is, where he's at who doesn't know the difference between his wife and his sister, a man who doesn't know who's president. I'm talking about Biden, by the way. I mean, you know, I pray for the man. I really do. And the reason I pray for him is because my mother, the last two or three years of her life, she lost her mind, and and I, I don't know if it was dementia or severe bladder infection I don't know what it was, but and she would look out the window and say, you see those people hanging up clothes out there? And, and I'd, I'd say, I don't see anything out there. And it was the most pitiful, heart-rending thing we'd ever been through, she had ever been through, the children. And we would try to spend the night with her and take care of her. And uh, she'd get up 40 times during the night to go to the bathroom, just just one right after the other. And, and, and it, it was, but, but what I'm saying is we tried everything in our power to protect her. We didn't want people seeing her in that condition because it was not her original condition. Now, here is a party, the Democratic Party, who will throw their own presidential candidate under the bus. In other words, go ahead and make a complete fool of yourself. Go ahead. We don't care. I mean, his wife and children ought to be thrown in jail for elder abuse for promoting him and putting him up in front of the public. The man needs help. But if they will throw their own presidential candidate under the bus, what will they do with people like me who disagree with it, disagree with their policy? I mean, we're talking about people that don't have a heart, is what we're talking about. Heartless people. That's what we're talking about. You see, the America that you and I grew up in and love is being targeted for destruction by Antifa, Black Lives Matter, anarchists, and the Democratic Party. Let me repeat that. It's being targeted for destruction. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and you do know that Black Lives Matter, that the funding for that, people that give donate money to Black Lives Matter, it goes to the Democratic Party. Okay, so what, what am I saying? I'm saying America is being targeted for destruction by Antifa, Black Lives Matter, anarchists, and the Democratic Party, who are basically all on the same page. And those of us who don't vote against this may end up in another holocaust. Now, one of the things I hear Christians say is, well, I don't vote. 
You know, a third of Christians don't bother to vote. Now, one of the things I detect for a lot of religious people is that, you know, I'm not part of this world. Well, yes, you. if you're living in the world, you're part of the world. I can guarantee you that. But it's a, it's a extreme self-righteousness. Well, I'm above all this. I'm beyond, you know, it, it, it would be beneath me to vote the lesser of two evils. And that, that is your only choice. You look at two candidates, and you, you choose the lesser of two evils. But all the Christians in their self-righteousness say, oh, that's beneath me to lose. I, I could never choose the lesser of two evils. Let me tell you something. When we ask for a king to reign over us, and God said, Samuel, they have not rejected you, but they rejected me from re- ruling over their lives. From that moment forward, your only choice was the lesser of two evils. That's your only choice. And I can you imagine standing before God and having God say, you didn't think enough of this country to even vote for it, to vote for what it represents, to keep your freedom? You didn't think enough of the country to vote for it. You accepted all the blessings of America. And you know, the, the simple things in life are the most enjoyable. We were cooking out several, several nights ago, you know, eating a steak, drinking some ice cold beer and just me and my wife just enjoying the time together. And I said, you know, this, it, it's the simple things in life that we take for granted. That's the precious things. That's the things that are really good. The simple things in life. But people accept all of this and they don't think of not enough of their country to stand up and vote for it and let, let it not be taken over by those who hate America. And believe me, there are people, and they're in this Democratic Party and Black Lives Matter and Antifa who hate America and want to destroy it. You need to understand this. You need to understand this. I mean, if you want to look at the leadership of the Democratic Party, if, if you're trying to make a decision on uh, how do I vote, do I vote Republican or Democrat, just take a look at the government in some of these Democratic states and cities like Chicago, Seattle, California, District 43, Maxine Waters. It looks like a hellhole. It looks like a third world country when you drive through there. I mean, there is trash and garbage and human waste on the streets. That's the leadership. That's the leadership. When you see these Democratic governors and mayors protesting alongside the, the, the people who are rioting, what does that tell you? What does that tell you about them? It is they are following a demonic spirit that says, I have come to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, that's a reference to Satan. Jesus is referring to Satan. He says, now, the enemy here has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So when you see someone in your city killing, stealing, and and burning it down, what spirit is that? It's a demonic spirit. That's what I'm saying. So what spirit are these people under? who want to destroy America. It's a demonic spirit. You have to understand this. Deuteronomy 28, verse 28, The Lord shall smite thee with madness, blindness, and astonishment of heart, 
And I am amazed at how fast this is happening. Where did these people come from? I mean, they just came out of the woodwork, it seems, overnight, although that's an illusion. It hasn't been overnight. These people have been programmed in school, the teachers' union, high school, to hate America. These these people are being, have been programmed for the last 40 or 50 years to come to this point that we're at right now. But it seems like it's happening very fast. It's It's like mushrooms blooming in cow dung, you know, a, pie, a patch of cow dung. They're all over the place, you know, the, these people are. You know, only in America can you get arrested for opening your business, but not for looting one. And the Bible speaks to this issue. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There is no justice. And did you hear about the boy, that canon? A five-year-old boy riding his bicycle. He drifted over in a, in a black man's yard, and the black man came out and point blank shot him in the head in front of his two sisters. And the media will not say a word. This happened in North Carolina. I mean, if you just flip the races, the color of skin, if it had been a little black boy and a white man killed this, this black boy, five-year-old, on a bicycle, they would burn down the whole state of North Carolina, and the media would cover it 24-7. But there's not a word about this little boy. Why? Because the color of his skin. He's white, and the perpetrator is black, and they're not about to touch that story. They're not about, they're keeping that knowledge from you. They will not report it. The liberal, insane media, which when I talk about the liberal media, I'm talking about the liberal media and the Democrats are in the same bed. They're in the bed. They're, they're, they're one in the same, the liberal media and the Democrats. They're one in the same. There's no difference between the two. They're in the bed together. Defund the police. That's Democratic logic right there. Defund the police. You know, remember when the panic, when you couldn't find toilet paper, you couldn't figure out a way to, you know, wipe your rear end without toilet paper. But you remember the panic that broke out? Just wait until you can't find a police officer. Just wait until you call the police in 911 and it's, if they put you on a waiting list of about five days. It's insanity. The Lord shall smite thee with madness, blindness, and astonishment of heart. Imagine meeting God and, and God saying, you used abort. You were for a party that was for abortion. That you were for a party Democratic Party that basically told people unless unless you're for abortion you can't be a part of it this party okay you were for a party that used abortion as a means of birth control you that's what you stood for that's what you represented I mean it's like the story I heard about uh, an affluent family husband and wife had three children and one on the way they wanted a fourth child but they had planned a skiing trip in the Swiss Alps, and instead of counseling the skiing trip, they aborted the baby. Lifestyle abortions, lifestyle, lifestyle, you know, abortion is a means of birth control. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. The right to defend yourself. Yes, the Democratic Party wants to take that away from you. The right to defend. I mean, no one can explain this to me. How is it 
that a man who has been has who owns a gun, never been in trouble with the law, never had a DUI, never been arrested, n- no criminal record. How does taking his gun away make the world safer? You know, no one can answer that question. No one can answer that question. It's no logic to it. The right to defend yourself. I believe it's a God-given right to defend yourself. Now, God is notorious for giving us enough rope to hang ourselves. Basically, God says, look, you want to be stupid? Be stupid. I'll give you enough rope to hang yourself. Now, what Christians are lamenting today is why doesn't God do something? As they look at their world, their beloved United United of States being destroyed, being burned down, cities being burned down, why doesn't God do something? And, you know, you got to understand something, that people that hate America, they're really hating on the God who has blessed America. That's really what it's all about. Don't misunderstand that one. These people that hate America and want to destroy it uh, are hating on God that has blessed, the God that has blessed America. Again, the America you and I grew up in, loving, is being targeted for destruction by Antifa, Black Lives Matter, anarchists, and the Democratic Party. So, Christians are asking, why is God not doing something about this? And I think most people that ask this question totally overlook prophecy and what the Bible says about the end time. We're going to get to that at the end of this message. What does Jesus say is going to happen? Does Jesus say that goodwill toward man and revival and church going and if we can just get revival and more religious people, we can turn this nation around. Is that what your Bible predicts? Is that what prophecy predicts? I want you to think about that because I'm going to answer the question at the end of this program. You see, the problem of man, there's two major problems that man has. Uh, it's told about in Genesis 5, 6 and verse 5, and God saw the wickedness of man, that it was great on the earth, and that every imagination of his thought, of his heart, was only evil continuously. Now, let me tell you something. Nothing about man has changed. The flood did not cure this problem. The flood was just a temporary time delay. If God had not flooded the earth, we would have self-destructed in about 2,000 years. Mankind would. And so that was not part of God's time schedule. God's on a time schedule. So six days shall you work, 6,000 years uh, of man's rule on this earth. And then the seventh The Sabbath will be the millennial reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. So because God is working on a time schedule and realized man was going to wipe himself out anyway, he flooded the earth and started over again with Noah and his family. The second major problem that man has is that man was created free. Now, you see, if you're free, you're free to do the right thing, but you're also free to do the wrong thing. And without the Holy Spirit of God, without the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God, and that is the condition of most people in the world. That's the condition. The majority of people do not have the Spirit of God. The majority of people who claim to be religious don't have the Spirit of God. And so you always choose the wrong choice. You take your freedom and you do the wrong thing. You do stupid things. Okay. All right. That's the condition 
of man. He is wicked. His heart is wicked. And he's been given by God free choice. And he chooses poorly every time because he doesn't have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. Now, on a physical level, you see, God has never stopped. Well, what has God stopped? He's never stopped a couple in the back seat of the car in the heat of passion getting ready to make love. He didn't glue the zipper on the guy's pants or the girl's pants. And because God knew that out of this union would come an unwanted bastard child that nobody cared for and that would be pawned off on grandma or grandpa. But God never stopped a couple in the back seat of the car in the heat of passion from from uh, having sex. He's never stopped that. He's never stopped a rape. He's never stopped a smoker from lighting up, you know, knocked a cigarette out of the guy's hand. He's never intervened and done that. Basically, God gives us free will, and he gives us enough rope to hang ourselves. Now, you might ask the question, why? Why does he give us so much free will, and why doesn't he intervene? Well, here's the reason. The only way godly character can be developed is if you are free to sin or free not to sin. You're free to do what's wrong, and you're free not to do. You're free to do the right thing. Okay, It is only in that freedom can you develop godly character by choosing to do the right thing. And that You see, God does not want robots. He wants people who freely choose to love him and to do the right thing. Now, what I'm saying is, this is only possible if you have the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. And it's a lifelong process at that with the Spirit of God. But you, you come to a point where you where God's Spirit, God's spiritual DNA joins your spirit. There is a spirit in man. And God's Spirit unites with your spirit and a new creature in Christ starts to develop. It's the moment of conception. The moment of conception. And a new creature in Christ begins to be developed. Okay, that's what God's after, and that's why God gives us free will. You know, people like to blame God for everything. Why, why, does God, why doesn't God stop all the starving, starvation that's going on in Africa and starving children? And why doesn't God stop the wars and stop the rape and incest and all the dysfunctional family system? Why didn't God intervene in any of this stuff? Well, what we overlook is that in Genesis 18 and verse 18, You know, in Abraham, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through Abraham. That's a powerful statement, that all nations would be blessed or could be blessed. But you see, Abraham had a covenant of obedience. It was conditional. It was on the condition that if you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, all these blessings shall come upon you. You see, we're involved in this utopia world that we all dream of and that we're always blaming God that how come we don't have this and why are all these bad things we're involved and our involvement is obedience if you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God and do all that he has commanded you I will pour out blessings upon you it's a covenant of obedience and so it's really a, 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 an ignorant thing to blame God because of our disobedience God didn't create dysfunctional family systems. We created dysfunctional family systems. It's not God's idea that we rape and incest and molest children and and go to war and kill each other. It's a lack of character is the problem. That's the reason. And as far as starving children, hey, Africa is just as rich and fertile as America is. It's a filthy rich land of natural resources. 
But you see, it doesn't have the government. It doesn't have the covenant blessings of obedience that America has had. Now, we're about to lose those, I admit, because we're pretty much rejecting God, but it's a whole different governmental system. In Africa, it is a corrupt government that is always, all, there's people are always killing one another. And, there's all, and, the, and the way they fight, they take vengeance out on the weaker vessels, women and children. And they go in and wipe out the women and children. That's how they fight. And so, yes, there's starvation. And yes, there's evil. Their religion is voodoo, by the way. And that's the reason for the cursings. They're cursed because they don't do what they're supposed to do. They don't have the character that they're supposed to have. And yes, missionaries going over there and, and only preaching half the Bible, the New Testament, doesn't do a lot of good. Just give your heart to Jesus. That doesn't change anything about their character and the way they're living their lives. They would have to make major changes. You know, it was a story I once heard of a National Geographic reporter went over there and interviewed one of these tribesmen, and, and he said, you know, we work hard. All, he said, what do you do all day long? He said, well, we work, we work hard all day long, and at the end of the day, we don't have anything to do but, you know, and said, but enjoy each other. And said, yes, a man may have his wife, but he has many friends and that he interacts with. And, and so you, it's, it's the sexual immorality is rampant. AIDS destroys because of that sexual immorality. It's ridden with AIDS and they're not given that part of the Bible, the old Testament that says, this is how you live your life. You're faithful to one woman for life. And because they don't have that knowledge, they have sickness. They have, uh, they have, um, Children that are born deformed, children that are born with AIDS, they have all these issues. But to blame God because of our lack of obedience is stupid. It really is. Now, so the problem with man is that he has a wicked heart, wicked heart, and he has free will. And with that free will, he's always serving the wrong thing, sin. Okay, that's the problem. Physically, our bodies just act out the desires of the heart of man. If your desires are evil, you will just act out those desires. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's the condition of man. So man's condition is he is evil. The remedy is to receive the Spirit of God, unconditional surrender. That's the remedy. And that's the only answer to receive the Spirit of God and begin a new creature in Christ, one that obeys God instead of rejects, rejecting everything that he says. In Genesis 6 and verse 3, it says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. Now, this was before the flood. God is getting fed up. He said, Look, my spirit shall not always strive with man because he is flesh. You know, coming from God, that's a, that's, a, that's a powerful statement. God has his limitations. And part of his limitations is that we are just flesh and blood. Man is flesh. And from God's perspective, he places a small value on the flesh. I mean, why should he value the flesh? Just look at what the flesh does. Just take a look at your world that's gone mad. That's what the flesh does. What is the flesh? It's vanity. Ego, lust, greed, anger, hatred, jealousy, envy, murder, stealing. And again, I, I know I'm, I mentioned this point before. 
But in John 10 and verse 10, it says, The thief comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. When you see whole cities doing just that, stealing, killing, and destroying, it's the spirit, it's an evil spirit, it's a diabolical spirit. When you see democratic governors and mayors joining the rioters, what spirit are they under? It's a, it's a demonic spirit that they're under. The only value God places in the flesh is if it can come to a point of unconditional surrender where it receives through baptism and the laying on of hands where it can, the flesh can receive the spirit of God. That's the only value God sees in the flesh. People who are just walking around in the flesh, you know, you don't have anything. You will self-destruct. You, your world will go mad. A world of flesh will go mad. It will go crazy. But if, but if, the biggest two-letter word in the English language, if, Romans 8 and verse 13, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Yeah, if you live after the flesh, you're going to live in a mad world. But if through the Spirit you do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Yeah, you receive the Spirit of God and you put to death the deeds of the body. What are the deeds of the body? It's ego, it's vanity, it's greed, it's lust, it's hatred, it's perversion, it's sickness. It's all the evils that we see around us. If you mortify, put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. And you can only do, th do this through the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. Now, those of us who have the first fruits of his spirit, and that's not the majority, don't kid yourself in thinking that those who have the first fruits of the spirit is, is the majority. It's not the majority. It's the minority that have the spirit of God. It's not mainstream churchianity that has the spirit of God. It's only the elect that has the spirit of God. It's not given to everybody that, oh, I just love Jesus and I invite Jesus into my heart and that's it. No, it's not mainstream churchianity. The elect is the minority. Many are called and few are chosen. We with the Spirit of God cannot stop the madness. We few with the Spirit of God. You know, it's like that, um, it's like that Robertson guy, Phil Robertson said, you know, he said, it's not my world, I'm just trying to live in it. Yeah, he realized this is not our world. We're just trying to survive it. We with the Spirit of God are just trying to survive it. It's not our world. You cannot stop the madness. You with the Spirit of God, you cannot stop the madness. It was never God's intent that you stop the madness. As Jesus said, Matthew 24 and verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Notice that. The gospel is given as a witness. It's not given to save the world. It's not given to convert the world. It's not given, it's, it's not to stop the madness, the gospel. It's not to create revival, because all I have ever seen is revival without repentance. No, the gospel is just a witness. It's, it's sort of like a take-it-or-leave-it message. It's a message of God's kingdom. Jesus Christ is returning to this earth to set up his kingdom because we're going to self-destruct. 
That's the gospel message. The other part of the gospel message is those who God has called can receive the Spirit of God. The elect, the called of God, can receive the Spirit of God and begin to build. Because God is calling out his cabinet members that is going to rule and reign with him at his return. And those that God calls, he gives him gives them his spirit, and they begin to develop the godly character that he wants. Because God is calling his cabinet members that will rule and reign with him in just a very short time. Now, the greatest prophecy, Jesus gives the greatest prophecy. It's Matthew 24 and verse 22. And except those days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sakes, those days shall be shortened. You know, the answer is not more church. The answer is not more revival. The answer is not, well, let's just go to church a little bit more and, and God will bless us. No, that's not the answer. The prophecy, as far as what Jesus said would happen, is clear as the nose, it's as visible as the nose on your face. It's as plain as the nose on your face. It's as visible if you look in the mirror and see your nose. The prophecy of what Jesus said would happen is this right here. Except I cut the time short that you and I are now living in. No flesh, just like the days of Noah. Okay? Just like the day, there would be no flesh saved alive and God had to intervene and rescue one righteous family, Noah and his family. God is going to rescue the elect of God. He's going to cut the time short, except those days should be shortened. There should no flesh be saved. We would self-destruct. We would go totally mad, and we would totally wipe out humanity from off the face of the earth. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. This is the day when the madness will stop. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.